Welcome, friends. I am so glad that you're listening. This show is about helping you live a better life. We are talking about healing today, healing from trauma and God's amazing power, His amazing grace to take the darkest of circumstances and change it into victory. You can find other encouraging resources, my healing blog, my identity course. It's all there on my website, jodystevens.org, J-O-D-I-E, Stevens with the V.org. I'm joined by my friend, Lisa Michelle, who's been very patient with me today with all of our technical problems. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. We were trying to get this rolling over Zencaster that, you know, didn't work. And so now, now we're getting our audio in Zoom and, and you know, like when all else fails, there's Zoom, right? Anyway, Lisa, you are a speaker. You are uh, soon to be author. Your upcoming book is like mine. It's not titled yet, right? But you're working on it. Right. I can totally relate to that. I have like six books in me. They just haven't been titled yet. That's all that, you know. But I'm I'm excited to to read it because I know it's about healing those who've been exploited, sexual trauma, and your story is amazing. I can't wait to hear it. You founded this ministry, No Strings Attached. You also founded a beauty brand, Lillian Company, and all of this helps women who have been sexually exploited or in the in the industry, right? Yeah, are trafficked as well. Mm -hmm. So sexual exploitation, sexual abuse, girls that are working in the adult um, entertainment industry and women that and children that have been trafficked. I was watching your story on your website, which by the way, it's lisamichelle.org, O-R-G. I cried for two hours. I mean, it was just amazing. And the work you're doing is so, so needed to help these women. And it came out of your own story, which is shocking, but amazing. And and I want to hear it. But I want to talk before we get into that, just the power of God, you know, to transform lives. You know, I think about how we're all born into this original sin, and then we're all affected by this. You know, we see how in the beginning, when Satan tempts Eve, and this is the beginning, Satan is the God of this world and the God of bad beginnings. That's not the way God wants it to be. And when we reach out to him, the way he just can transform our life and set us on a completely different road, that it's absolutely miraculous. And that's totally what happened to you. It sure is. (laughs) It's amazing, too, just to um, there are days that I marvel at the Lord, at what he does. I'll be sitting on a stage in front of an audience and just sharing my story and my Mm -hmm. brokenness and who I was before, and then seeing other women find freedom from me, you know, sharing my raw truth. And Mm -hmm. I just sit there and marvel that he has brought me to where I am today. It really, truly, and, and believe me, if you sat down with my family and they will confirm, wow, God Mm -hmm. can do anything. (laughs) He can take Lisa from this to where she is today. I mean, it truly is. It was a process. It's been a very long process, but I just want to encourage anybody listening that is in their brokenness and their sin and their addiction that has been sexually abused or exploited or trafficked, that there is hope and you have to really press in to find your sanity and your sobriety along the way. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I was reading this uh, or listening to a a Joyce Meyer book just the other night about healing the women's hearts. And she said, you know, because my father sexually abused me, she said, I... I just assumed I was going to live a marginalized life, that I was going to have this bad life. And she said, I just assumed that that was how it was going to be until God got a hold of her. And she began to learn these truths. And then, like, everything changed around. But he was the one that was able to do that. And, of course, like you said, it takes a long time. But it that, that power of God is what can change or turn those a- ashes to beauty, right? Yeah, Joyce Meyer was a huge part of my healing journey, too. It's funny you brought her up. Um, we were on our honeymoon, my husband and I, and he's sitting there reading a book and he can't see who's on the TV when I'm flipping channels and she Uh comes on to the TV and every single word that she was saying directly related to me. I was in so much emotional pain at the time and could Mm -hmm. not process my thoughts or articulate where I was at. And I needed deep inner healing. And my husband was like, who is this guy? (laughs) He puts the (laughs) book down and looks and goes, oh, that's a woman. (laughs) Whoever she is, we're buying every book she has. <laughs> she knows you. She's been in our house. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. So that started my journey to emotional healing, actually. The battlefield of the mind helped me so yes. much. I'm st- I still refer back to it. I mean, I, you know, because it just reminds me that, that you know, in, in addiction and recovery, they call it your stinking thinking. You know, it's like I got to change uh-huh. the way I think like every single day because we're still in this world. We know. We know that God's yeah. changed us, but we still wake up like in the flesh. <laughs> it's just like, oh, Absolutely. and then, you know, it's this, <laughs> it's this battle. But it's so funny that you said that because I sent my mom, you know, some of her, her CDs and my mom's like, who is that guy? <laughs> I know. And I have like a super deep voice for a woman. I feel better because she has like an even <laughs> deeper voice than me. But she got kicked out of so much because she was a woman, you know, and, yeah, and it's just yeah. funny because because at one point she went to God and said, God, I can't do any of this stuff because I'm a woman. And she said, God said to her, I know you're a woman choice. <laughs> that was like it, you know. So, oh, Lord have mercy. You know, and you probably can relate to this. For for me, I'm a recovered alcoholic. But what I realized after 10 years of recovery that was that I was really super codependent and had a yeah. hard time with boundaries. I couldn't stand up for myself. I didn't think I had the power to choose, to say no, to... I had ignored all my instincts because I was told mm-hmm. they were wrong. Right. And so I really didn't find healing until I really began to dig in and do all that kind of inner child work. Oh, yeah. That was the foundation of where I started in my healing process for sure. We're told in recovery, you will intuitively be able to handle situations that used to baffle you. Yeah. I'll never forget the first day I walked into a strip club as a Christian woman. And I just thought, (laughs) God, this isn't funny. What are you doing? Why are you asking me to go in here? Uh And then I put my hand on that door and I started to open it and I smelt that familiar smell of alcohol and Mm -hmm. just that, you know, stench of darkness. And I said, I, I said, I would never go back into these places. And it wasn't strip clubs that I ended up spending my time in. It was nightclubs in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. But to me, once I opened that door, it was the same crowd. It was the same alcohol, the same drugs, the same sex parties, you know, so it was all so familiar to me. And I thought, God, why would you ask me to go back? Why Mm -hmm. would you ask me to go back into the places that have literally tried to rob me of my life? The Lord healed you and is now using you and your story to heal others. And that's yes. what he does. Yes. But it's 
painful. It's hard. You know, like my brother died of alcoholism. My dad found him dead. I mean, it was just awful. And it's like I, I tried to sponsor women and stuff. And I got to a point where I just couldn't do it. And honestly, Lisa, oh. like, I don't know if I if I can. Like, I don't know if I have that strength in me to yeah. relive that drama. But it sounds like right. you found it. I really did. I mean, it was a struggle. I'm not going to lie. I wrestled with the Lord. I wrestled big time with him. And I I wanted nothing to do with anything that he was asking me to do. I mean, every time he'd asked me, the first time he asked me to speak and to be a keynote speaker, I thought for sure I was going to die that day of fright <laughs> and fear. <laughs> I thought, what are you doing, God? So he kept bringing me to these moments in my life where I didn't want to go. Yeah. And he didn't want to leave me where I was at. So he said, I want more for you. I have a huge plan for you. And you're staying in this place where I don't, that's not where my vision and my, your destiny is. And so mm -hmm. I had to be obedient. I knew that God was calling me to go to the places and do the hard, hard things. And now today, here I am doing the very things that I was absolutely frightened of. And it truly is a miracle. I mean, to see me be the person that I am today. And it's all God. 1,000%. <laughs> Amazing. So, Lisa, you go into these strip clubs, these brothels, you bring gifts, you help women transition out of the sex industry. Your ministry provides aftercare for sexual trauma. This is amazing stuff, and it comes from your own experience. So I want to hear your story, like what, what happened, the painful parts that led you to where you are now, and how did yeah. God rescue you? So I grew up in San Francisco, just outside of San Francisco in the suburb. Um, both my parents were... And there's alcoholic. your first problem right there. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> California girl. <laughs> All right, moving on. Oh yeah. And so right there. My... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and there it is. No. Um, so my dad was an extreme alcoholic. He oh. drank vodka from the time he woke oh, up to the sorry. time he went to bed. He even woke up in the middle of the night and drank vodka. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. He was a part of the Hells Angels in Oakland, California. Mm. And we lived in San Leandro. And uh, I was exposed to domestic violence, sexual abuse, and neglect on a regular basis. And mm. so as a little girl, I didn't feel safe in my own home. Yeah. And I, I, I had this fear of my father every single day. I didn't know what I was going to wake up to. And um, mm -hmm. for me, I ended up going out into the streets and we'd go out to the streets of San Francisco at 13, 14 years old because I felt safer on the streets of San Francisco than I did in my own home. Wow. So I started using drugs. I started using alcohol to cope with my pain. There was this liquor store that um, was down off of Broadway. Broadway is a street that's littered mm -hmm. with strip clubs. And at the very end is a heavy metal club. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd go to this store and buy Thunderbirds. I think it was less than a dollar. And mm -hmm. we'd sit in this alleyway. And uh, me and my misfit friends that were very broken, very just lost completely. Yeah. And we'd sit there and drink. And um, it's pretty amazing because the back door to a strip club was right there and then the back door to the heavy metal club was where our backs were and one day the door opened to the heavy metal club and this guy came out and he said hey do you guys want some fake ids i'd love to let you all in and so we were like yeah let's go hang out with these older guys and party oh, and let's Lord. go have fun and yep so there i was you know i was 17 years old getting into this club and um, met my first boyfriend in there and he's the lead mm -hmm. singer of a band he was about my age actually at the time. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'm dating him. I'm having fun. One day he's opening up for this band and I'm backstage. I'm going to the bathroom and I come out of the bathroom 
and there's these two guys that are standing there and I'm just like uh who are these guys I mean my every, my whole world just stopped I was just like completely madly in love with both of them instantly and they look like they have the exact same experience <laughs> and so it ends up being Bobby Dahl and Brett Michaels from Poison and so oh my gosh <laughs> yeah I'm 17 years old I have no idea who these guys are you mm -hmm. know they're right. the headliner for that weekend and so I end up running off with Bobby Dahl and for the next weekend and left my other boyfriend and um, then I ended up running off with Brett and it's a long story I tell that whole story in my book which is really exciting because I haven't told that whole story before but that was you know 17 18 years old so I am hanging out in nightclubs, I am drinking hard, and I'm living this lifestyle, and I'm just feeling so empty inside and um, really struggling with my addiction big time. It was actually the band that came to me um, and just said, hey, you need to get help, Lisa. I, I actually met the drummer of, of this other band called Kicks. Yeah, I remember them. I know all of it because um, I worked in rock radio, and I was a huge heavy metal chick i mean D dio wasp all of it you know and and some people don't know but blackie lawless lead singer of wasp and alice cooper are both born again christians they Amazing. sure are yeah and you know what um i've seen oh my gosh i can't tell you how many people i've seen at joyce meyer sitting in the front row because i i volunteered with her for years oh wow um, and all those guys lead singer of metallica the drummer Ooh. i've seen them all Yep, they're all it's so amazing to watch them because I literally used to hang out with them and watch them in the heavy metal scene. And then to see them at Joyce Meyer and I, I was um, an usher for the VIP section uh -huh. and to see them sitting there praising the Lord, like, you know, 27 years later, I'm like, this is a full circle moment, Lord. This is crazy. Anyways, that rock and roll lifestyle was completely exhausting. And I ended up moving back home because I lived back east with a drummer from Kicks, And um, I was with him for like four years. And mm -hmm. Got into AA, was really wanting to embrace my recovery, and um, I went to school to become a makeup artist, and on my first day of becoming a makeup artist, I ended up being invited into the underground club scene in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so from that night on, I transitioned into more drugs, more partying, more promiscuous lifestyle, um, living with this socialite that, you know, I was just paraded around for like seven, eight years with him. And he lived a very big lifestyle and very mm -hmm. public life. And um, I just got to this point where I just felt so empty on the inside and so mm -hmm. used and so worn out from the lifestyle and from the drugs and alcohol. And I knew that if I didn't get cleaned up, that I wasn't going to make it and I wasn't going to live much longer. Um, and I was just starting to do this soul searching inside of me. Mm -hmm. And feeling like you know there's got to be more to this life than just this partying and men and um it's just it's so i was starting to feel the stench of my own lifestyle yeah and all of a sudden i uh, get this job at a salon and i'm working in the salon and uh, one day i'm walking by my sister did nails so i was walking by her station and her she had a male client that was getting a manicure <clears throat> And this was like 27 years ago, which is crazy. Men didn't get manicures back then. <laughs> and he, he reaches out to me and said, hey, Lisa, I'd like to invite you to church this Sunday. Wow. I looked at him and I thought, what? I go, why would you invite a girl like me to church? And he starts yeah. busting out laughing. And he's like, you know what? You're right. And he's like, you're probably going to catch on fire when you walk through the doors this Sunday. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, so why would I go to church? And he's like, 
because there's really hot guys there. <laughs> yeah, that's why. <laughs> I know. And so I literally looked at my watch, looked back at him, and I go, what time? I'll be there. And I wasn't thinking about God. All I heard was hot guys. Yeah. And I was still partying, still living the lifestyle. So, and I just thought, hey, the guys in the clubs really stink, and I'm not having a good time with them. So mm-hmm. maybe if I go to this church, maybe I can meet some better men. Right. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of depth going on just yet. No, not at all. I have no clue what God was up to, but I wanted, I do want to tell you he's very creative and he knew how to get this girl to go to church. Right, right, (laughs) right. I showed up that Sunday and um, for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And I went to that church for over a year for all the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And what happened was every Sunday I started to hear this message about a father's love that Mm -hmm. I had not experienced as a little girl. Yeah. And that, I heard about a daddy that loved me, uh, that he wanted me, and he wanted me to be a part of his kingdom. And the more I heard about this kind of love and experienced it firsthand, I just wanted more. And I just ended up giving my life to the Lord. I surrendered my whole lifestyle. I did a complete 180 from everything that I was doing. It was funny because people would call mm-hmm. me and be like, hey, are we going out tonight? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> Just like, And you know, for years, I mean, for so long, I tried to fight for my sobriety mm-hmm. and uh, it just never worked for whatever reason. All my AA meetings, nothing. I was having such a hard time trying to get sober. And there was this, and I know this isn't for everybody, but there was this radical transformation in me mm-hmm. when I gave my life to the Lord that yeah. I just wanted to be, I wanted to put away all those things and completely surrender my life to him. And I did. And he literally freed me of all my addictions at that time, which wow. was amazing, truly amazing. That was like the biggest testimony to my family to see mm-hmm. me change my lifestyle so radically that my entire family came to the Lord oh, wow. one by one. They all came to the Lord. So what I didn't share with you in my past was, um, my dad sexually abused me from mm. my first memory was uh, when I was four years old, all the way up until the age of 14. Oh my gosh. And the sexual abuse was so constant. And so um, it was just my normal that mm-hmm. that's what I thought my identity was. Yeah. And I just thought, okay, this is normal. I had no idea that like, that's not a normal relationship with your dad. Mm. And, um, then this left me vulnerable to a man who lived across the street from us. And this man was a businessman. He ran our local funeral home. He had an apartment on top of that funeral home and he was married. Everybody in the community loved him, everybody. But this man was a pedophile. Oh. And unfortunately, he had his own dark room in that funeral home and he um he used me and exploited me through the use of child pornography oh my gosh so you can see why at Mm -hmm. 12 years old i was wanting to go to the streets because nobody saw the abuse that was happening across the street from where we lived my mom Mm -hmm. was going through a divorce she didn't have any idea that this man was not safe. She had no idea. And she would send me and my sister and neighborhood kids would go to, um, to spend the weekend with him. Oh Lord have mercy. Uh, uh-huh. So she could, you know, do her thing and do all that. And she thought she left us in a safe place. And unfortunately she didn't. And see what happened to me was when I ended up giving my life to the Lord, I ended up starting to have flashbacks. Yeah. And I started having really like night terrors and demonic activity Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all these really crazy things started to happen to me. And um, all of a sudden I started to like 
go, what's happening here? And then I heard a woman speaking publicly about being sexually abused. And I'll never forget that day because as I heard her speaking words out loud, I sat there trembling, my hands were sweating, I'm listening to her words and I'd never heard anybody speak like this. Mm -hmm. We come from a family of secrecy, you know? Yeah. So it's like to have somebody speaking so clearly that I was sexually abused, this is what happened to me. She's shared intimate details. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was gonna vomit. I just thought, what is happening? And I was beginning to self-identify. And so at the end of her speaking and sharing her story, she said, if you too have been sexually abused, exploited or trafficked, I want you to go tell somebody today. And I want you to start your healing journey. And I just remember sitting there just dumbfounded at what I heard and what I was processing and that I needed to articulate it. And I picked up the phone and I called my sister that day, my older sister. And for the first time as a 28 year old woman, I had self-identified. And mm -hmm. I just blurted out four hours. We were on the phone and I blurted out every single memory that I could think of. And she confirmed them. She gave me more to the storylines. And um, what we have found was that when I was a little girl with the guy across the street at the funeral home, he drugged us every single time. Oh, my gosh. And through lemonade and chocolate chip cookies. Ugh. So I had no short term memory of what happened to me in that funeral home. None at all. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, these flashbacks come and everything starts to happen. And you're like, what is happening? And so I had to go through years of therapy, um, just years of inner healing. And um, EMDR was an incredible healing modality for me. Mm -hmm. Equine therapy as well. We found an incredible doctor in Scottsdale, Arizona that you know, he was way ahead of his time. He ended up diagnosing me as bipolar in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And he put me on every medication you could possibly put me on. And none of them worked until we got to lithium. And then lithium stabilized me because I was self-harming. I was a danger to others. I was really, I mean, I was back in that funeral home as yeah. a little girl. Mm -hmm. And I finally was letting my body and my mind and everything acknowledge what happened to me. But it was my first time as an adult woman even understanding half of it and what I went through with the sexual abuse of my father as well. So, you know, to put me where I am today and to see God totally transform my heart, my mind, my life, um, it truly, truly is amazing to be the woman that I am today. And like I said, to go back to the places. Maybe I wasn't hanging out in a strip club, but I definitely, they look the exact same. Trust me. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like in the nightclubs and with the heavy metal scene and the heavy metal scene is a really hard lifestyle. That's for sure. What a story. And I'm just, I'm so sorry for what happened to you, but I'm so encouraged that God led you to that kind of healing. It's interesting how the stuff you don't remember, you know, that's kind of part <clears throat> of how the Lord designed us so that we could survive, right? Because yes. as a little child, we don't think that our caregivers could harm us. And so first of all, we block it out, right? And then secondly, we say, it must be me. Like I must have done something wrong. We don't want to think that they could harm us. So we take in all this shame and all this guilt, right? That is the biggest thing for me. I had so much self-hatred right and my core beliefs before i knew the lord and before i went through inner hearing healing was i'm unlovable i'm worthless i'm stupid i'm a bad person i brought this on myself i don't matter i'm defective 
what's wrong with me, you know, and those Mm -hmm. were my core beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I believed them and I treated myself as such every day. And that's one of the biggest reasons that I go into these strip clubs and brothels today and porn shops is because I know what that feels like to know, not know your worth, to not know what you were created for and to not know your destiny. So I want to go in there and release destinies to women that we meet that are stuck in their addiction, stuck in their toxic shame. And, um, you know, the girls in in the strip clubs, obviously 90 Mm -hmm. something percent of them have been sexually abused. That's how they get led into that whole industry. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, what, what shame tells us, right? It's not that my behavior is bad. It's that I'm bad. It's that no one could love me. It's that I'm unlovable. And that's the lie that we get. You know, that's the lie that Satan puts on us. That's the lie that trauma puts on us. And it's interesting, all the flashbacks and the things that were happening to you were so necessary because that was God, God coming in. And that was kind of that battle between good and evil. And you have to expose the truth, right? Expose the trauma, deal with it, let it out into the open, right? And then once it's out there, then you can begin to heal. Yeah. And it was amazing for me, too, because I remember the counselor that I was referred to. He was a male. And my first thought was, that's the last person I want to be in the room with alone, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And I mean, I would sit up on the arm of the chair. I wouldn't even sit in the chair for the longest time. And I I was like, can we leave the door open? Like, I was so scared to be alone with this man. And he was a Christian man, too. And then, you know, over time, I told him, I go, do you know, you're the very first man that I've ever trusted. Mm -hmm. Like, I trust you now. I trust you with my pain. I trust you with my story. And I believe that you really do want to see me healed. And it's really cool. I think it was about three years ago. I sent him a really long letter letting him know um, who I am today Mm -hmm. and how much I've healed and what God's doing in my life. Uh, And it was so encouraging to him. One of the things I asked him as well is to to just be careful about diagnosing women like me with a mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying... I'm just saying I was going through complex sexual trauma. I was going through PTSD. I had some serious things I had to work through. So putting a label on me and slapping me on medication, you know, it did help me. I am grateful for it. I am absolutely grateful for it. But I do feel we have to be super careful about labeling and just sticking people on medications. But those medications kept me alive. So I'm very grateful for them. And I do want to say that I have been completely drug free, pharmaceutical and drugs and alcohol for 22 years now. Oh, (laughs) praise the Lord. You are a miracle. I've got 15 years sober. Yeah. And my husband's like like 18. So between the two of us, we have 33 years of sobriety, you know, but I can tell you straight up, you know, what you're saying, it, it wouldn't have worked out that way if we hadn't have found the Lord, you know, surrendered our life to the Lord and then really done the work, done the inner work to get there because it it's hard. It's a hard journey in it. And it, it takes a lot of work. We're born into this world. And the minute we're born into this sinful world, we're, we're on a path and we get to choose which path, right? And oftentimes, yeah. and, I, and I feel like, like when I hear your story, so many of these women that you're helping that coming out of strip clubs and things like that. And for me, there was, though my parents didn't mean to, there was a lot of invalidation. There was a lot of fighting and stuff like that. I would wake up to screaming and yelling mm-hmm. and, and stuff breaking. And I was just a little kid. And then it was never talked about. Then it was, um, oh, well, you know, 
we weren't fighting. We were just having a discussion. So I was like, well, my feelings must be wrong. My thoughts must be wrong. So then I grew up very codependent. I didn't know who I was. I couldn't express my feelings, all these sorts of things, because I was taught to stuff my instincts, to not rely on them. And then that led Mm -hmm. to all kinds of things where, right, I couldn't say no to men. I didn't think I could say no. Something seemed weird about someone. You know, it's just me. Then I got into drinking and drugs and all these sorts of things. I had so much shame and I didn't even know I had shame. It was all stuffed down in there. But once God began to work on me, began to understand that he didn't see me as this adult doing bad things, just like he doesn't. He didn't see you as an adult doing bad things, just like these women in, in the sex industry. They are reacting out of trauma. And so God yeah. looks and he sees that little child, the little girl that's being hurt, the little boy that's being hurt. Like that's what he sees and yeah. that's what he wants to heal. And so there's no shame. Like he's not, you know, if you're a person and you're coming out of like we see you know addiction or exploitation and stuff god's not judging you he's mm-hmm. seeing the trauma of the little child the trauma of of sin and evil in our world and he's he's wanting to rescue us right but we yeah. just have to be willing to allow him to come in and do that inner work you know yeah I mean, it took me years to fight for my sanity. Mm-hmm. You know, I really, really wanted to get past my trauma. I mean, I went backwards as an adult woman, yeah. you know, because when you're when you fill your life with drugs and alcohol and men and then you take those away and now you don't have any coping skills, yeah. you're like, yeah. uh, I'm stuck with mm-hmm. all of this trauma. I'm stuck with all of my pain and I need to process it. And it, you just have to. Otherwise, you're going to go back. Mm-hmm. The the other thing that God brought you, like with that therapist and stuff, I remember when I had a deep, deep, deep wound, and the therapist said, "You need a corrective experience." I'm like, "What's that?" You know, you mm-hmm. need uh, you need a, a corrective experience. So you need a person in your life to show you that it's different. And mm-hmm. amazingly enough, God brought that, and He He brought it to you too. And if you don't have that, those corrective experiences, you know, if if all you know is unsafe people then you're not going to know what safe people are and how to rely on them. And the longer you heal and have corrective experiences with safe people, the more you can recognize what's wrong and what to avoid, which is why those, right, those corrective experiences and those healing people are so important. Very true. Yeah, that that is true. That's why we have men on our team as well. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't go into the strip clubs with us. They stay outside in our prayer team and our security team. But we do have men that are there and um, men that engage in all of our other activities because we just we want women to see there are good men out there. Yes. You know, so you quit drinking, you quit all the stuff. And then it's that then all of a sudden the trauma comes back. You know, how long did that take you before you really began to see, oh my gosh, I've got to get help for all this trauma? Yeah, well, when I was 28 years old, when I first self-identified, oh, um, yeah, right. that yeah, that was when I started, you know, going to counseling, started working on everything. Um, I actually went through deep inner healing as well with deliverance with a family pastor of ours. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, if you've been sexually, you know, abused, exploited or trafficked, you know, there's demonic activity that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had to go through some deliverance as well. And that actually was 14 years ago that I went through that. Mm -hmm. And after that deliverance, 
was when everything changed for me. And um, our pastor friend who prayed for me, and it was hours of work, uh, inner healing work and everything. And after that day, he said he had never experienced anything like it in all his years of ministry. And he said, you have the strongest anointing I've ever experienced of leadership on your life. And he says, you're going to be a very strong, pivotal um, cultural leader. And I, I'm, my sisters were in the room. They were laughing, like, shall I her? <laughs> you know, and he's just like, I've never. And then it was just instantly, like within a few months, we were catapulted to Arizona. I became a children's leader for um, BSF, Bible Study Fellowship. And I did that for years, thinking that that was what I was going to do, was teach these little five and six-year-olds the Bible. And one day I got super sick and I actually fell down in the class. My back gave out on me and we ended up finding we had toxic mold in our home in Arizona Mm -hmm. and I was slowly being poisoned. And um, I ended up in bed for three months and uh, just really at the end of myself. And that's actually how I got to the journey I'm on today because I was laying in that bed and I was crying out to God. I couldn't eat anything. I was so weak. I had to crawl to get to the bathroom. I had a cane if I needed to get like to the kitchen or anything oh like goodness. that. Um, at the time, we could afford a nanny. So we had a nanny come in to take care of my children, which broke me because that's all I ever wanted in this life was to have children and to um, redeem, you know, motherhood and yeah. to um, be a really good mom. And so me laying there in my bed, sicker than a dog, not being able to eat. I had to have IV therapy for food and um, I just cried out to God and said, God, what is it you want from me? And he, I mean, I literally would do anything that he asked me to do. And I said, I just want to be healed, Lord, please heal me. I want to be a mom. I want to be, you know, living my life to its fullest. I'll do anything. And he said, I want you to stop feeling sorry for yourself, Lisa. And I want you to pick up your mat and I want you to walk with me. And that mm. walk in a bringing a long story into a short story led me right into the front door of strip club in Arizona. Wow. And that was the starting of my journey of leadership. And I thought, I thought I was supposed to teach children the Bible. <laughs> like how am I, how did I end up here? Yeah, but see yeah. what happened to me, I'm going to share this real quickly. When I was wrestling with the Lord and saying, God, why would you ask me to do this? And I was so desperate that I was like, I'll do it, whatever. But I wrestled and I said, God, I don't have anything in common with these women. I don't know why you're calling me to go in there, but I will go. And so I walked in with this heart attitude of just, and I couldn't stand the men, the men, my hatred for men in that club. I was like, I'm not even going to look at them. I'm going to walk right past them and ignore them and go straight to that dressing room and just talk to the girls and everything. And so I met a woman that not only did I identify with that night, that I, I just instantly fell in love with her, just thought, oh my gosh, these women are beautiful and they're just like me. And so when I walked out of that club that night, I repented and I said, God, please forgive me. I, yeah. I, she is me and I am her and I have built walls around us and I can mm-hmm. see why you called me to go inside. And so I shook hands with my destiny that night. And I said, wow. here we go. I can't believe this. God, I, it's not something that was on my radar, but here we go, Lord, I'm all in told me each time I walked into those strip clubs that he was going to heal me of everything physically that I was going through. And so I went in for the physical healing, but God was actually working on the emotional healing as well. And today I can testify that I love the men in those clubs, that I am friends with the DJs, the managers, the owners, (laughs) and the traffickers. I'm not kidding you. 
I have testified. I've given my testimony. I have prayed over them. I have spent hours just ministering to them. It's truly remarkable that God has changed my heart towards the men as well. Well, and it's it's empowering. See, God sets you in a place. I don't want to say over them or above them because that's not right, but it, it it's it's a power that he's given you. He's empowered you, but in order to be empowered, you had to walk into it. You had to walk through it. So we start out like, you know, you had kind of this victim mentality, right? A victimology. I mean, that's what I had for so long um, because that's just how it was in my family. And I always like, I'm, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. And now it's like every day and it's still a battle. Like I still, it's still a punching battle where I have to wake up and say, I am not a victim. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. And, yep. and, you know, I went through a struggle of being dyslexic and told I was stupid. I'd never amount to anything, all these sorts of things. And so I just had all this fear and then the drugs and the alcohol and the shame. An interesting thing is God allowed me through an endorsement at the last station I was at to get a, a master's degree. And it was literally like God saying, like with you, he's saying, we're not going to just fix this problem. We're going to redo it, right? Yes. We're going to redo it. Right. Yeah. So now you're going back to the places that wounded you. Right. This for me, it was the school and the, you know, the things like that. And you're going back into the clubs and into the seedy places only like I see you as like like this angel where we have this aura around us. And we're and with God's and the Holy Spirit, it's like we're now we're now powerful. We're no longer a victim. It's like you can look at all those people and say, let me let me pray for you. I love this. And I, another quote from Joyce Meyer, but she says that uh, we're soldiers in God's mighty army, but instead of putting his soldiers who, who are wounded in a hospital, he actually promotes them into positions of greater power and influence. Isn't that great? And so one of the things that kind of helps me in dealing with looking back at trauma is looking at just sort of this original sin and looking at how everybody is hit with it in some way or another. Everybody's scarred by it, wounded by it, impacted by it. There are some people that just had normal problems. And then there's people like me that had some a little more struggles with the codependent family dynamic and alcoholism and, and things like that in the family. And then there's people like you that had just extreme trauma, extreme trauma that that could literally debilitate a person. But we've all been affected by this. You know what I mean? We're we're either mm-hmm. walking down one road and then I see God's like in the middle there and he he can transform us to where we go a completely different way. But sometimes just looking at that, looking back at that kind of sin that we're all born into and saying, okay, this is bad and we're all affected by it, but God has come to heal. Jesus is the only one that can offer complete healing. He's the one that defeated death and the one that puts us back into our original place, right? In the Garden of Eden yeah. before before the fall, before the trauma. That's why the Lord is so qualified to heal us, right? Because he yes. designed us and created us and has the the ability to completely heal us in in many ways. You know, one of my favorite um, verses is Psalm 147.3. It says, He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. And Mm. many times I share that while I'm speaking. And and I believe if God did it for me, He can do it for you. He can do it for anybody listening right now. Um, And no matter how brokenhearted you are, no matter how, you know, if everybody's given up on you and you're so stuck in your addiction that you you just think there's no way that I'm ever going to get out of this life 
that yeah. God does have a plan and a destiny for you and that he can heal and bind up your wounds. Amen. I love in Hebrews too, you know, we're told Hebrews 4 today, if you hear his voice, it says, do not harden your hearts, which is Psalm 95, 7 through 8, which is quoted in Hebrews. But then it talks about the word of God and it says that the word of God is active and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. You know, so it's like, it's like no, if you're listening, no matter what you've gone through, God sees you as the wounded child and no matter who has hurt you, God sees it all. And also, his word, it says dividing soul and spirit, which is what happened to you, which is what happened to me, where literally God is the only, you know, the word of God is what can come in and heal that soul, that yes. that wounded soul of that little girl, because it's the power of the Holy Spirit coming yeah. into us and literally changing and taking that trauma He's like sanctifying your pain and sanctifying your trauma so that you can go forth and use this, right? I mean, think about everything you've gone through as massive amounts of experience that you now have. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Tell me, um, b before we close, a little bit about your ministry and just like a story of transformation that you have seen through it and just how people can get involved if they want to reach out to you or also maybe support your ministry. Yeah, so we've been in San Antonio, Texas for about eight years, almost nine years, actually. Uh, we go into our local strip clubs, illicit massage businesses, and the porn mm -hmm. shops in town. We hand out gifts. We go into the dressing room, go to the girls that are working there, and hand out gifts with jewelry and makeup in it, something that you would love to get a gift. Yes. Uh, we come once a month and do that, which is really exciting. And uh, we we let the women know that we're there for them, that we have a healing community ready to bring them in. We offer direct services with a trauma-informed approach, along with resources in our community to see them live whole, healed, productive lives. We do that through case management and mentorship, along with building that healing community. And our vision is to end all forms of sexual exploitation, domestic violence, and neglect through intervention, prevention, advocacy, and aftercare. And our mission is to show God's love in a tangible way with no strings attached. And it, it's amazing to walk into these clubs and to hand mm -hmm. out gifts to the girls and watch them, you know, it's hard for them to receive. They'll say, um, what do I owe you for this <laughs> gift? Yeah, How much yeah. do I owe you? Or wait, right. this is free? Um, you sure you don't want something from me? And so it's amazing um, to build that trust with them and going in there for this long, the owners and the house moms, there's moms that hang out in the dressing room and they are a mom figure to the girls that work there. We're on their speed dial. So when we have wow. a girl inside the strip club that is addicted to heroin and needs recovery or has an unwanted pregnancy or, you know, there's so many things that come up on a regular basis and we're on their speed dial. And I've had one of the owners of the clubs say that he sees us as a chaplain over their strip club. Wow. I thought that's remarkable, God, that you could do that. You can take, you know, just that trust of all mm -hmm. these years of seeing who we are and um, seeing the transformation of the girls that we've worked with. And they all hear it, they all see it, and it's pretty amazing to experience. So 
oh, we've just seen so many women that have um, transitioned out, but it's difficult. You know, we have one woman, woman that we put through, we put several of them through real estate school. Uh, wow. And one of them now is, I can't believe what she's, she's selling homes like left and right. And she's nice. doing better than she's ever done in her life. So it's wow. really exciting to see her be successful and be outside of that environment. I remember the night we met her, she, um, she actually was, struggling with addiction. And she said, you know, I just, what are you, why are you here? What are you doing? And so I shared my story, shared what God was doing. She goes to church now with us. Um, she has a personal relationship with the Lord. We'll see her this Friday night. We have a big event and she's going to be sitting with us. We actually have three girls that'll be with us at that event. And uh, it's just a beautiful thing to, to meet her that night in that dark, I'm talking vile, disgusting place. Um, Cause it's one of the dirtiest clubs that we go into. And mm -hmm to meet her that night, to become friends with her, to bring her into our community and for her to be received and to find a whole new set of friends and life and to be a successful realtor. And it's only been three years too that she's been completely out, but she's doing so well. And we have another girl that got her license um, for real estate as well. And she's um, just getting started on doing that. Uh, it's just, we have a boot camp every single Sunday we meet and we do 20 minutes of exercise. And then we have a lesson that I teach. And it's always about inner healing and trauma and um, finding beauty in your scars and seeing them learn what their true identity is and helping them walk into their destiny. And we have nine women that go to that on Sundays. So just even if it was one woman showing up, yeah, to see that, her having her destiny changed is remarkable, mm, right? That is amazing stuff. And what I love too about the what you're called no strings attached because that's so important because you know and that's what god's love is the free gift of mercy of grace of love it's it's unconditional love and once they see that right because when you've come out of trauma you're used to being taken from it's like what do you yeah. want from me what you know you're not used to this free gift of love and once yeah. you receive that you know that's what opens the door for you to break free from from that trauma and from those dysfunctional relationships is because you see what real love and real relationship is and what it's supposed to mean and that is so powerful and it's so healing and that's why god wants us to use our stories to bring hope and bring restoration because that's what he offers us the no strings attached you know that's amazing <laughs> you know, what's exciting is that I'm getting ready to go out to the clubs right after this. And oh, wow. So I'm getting like more fired up for it tonight, too, because <laughs> I'm like, yes, Lord, more. Because I mean, yeah. it's just amazing to me, the moments, the divine appointments that he has set up every yes. single time we walk in. And we expect that God's going to show up and we know that he's going to show up in, in unconventional ways. It's truly amazing. So it's very exciting. And I just, I feel privileged and honored and just so humbled that God is using me in this way. And I'm thankful that I was intentional about my healing and that I did the hard work and that I continue to do the hard work because there are days where, like you said, you know, it's a lifelong mm -hmm. process to recover from what I've been through. So, um, I just want to share, I, I forgot to share that I've been married for 25 years. Nice. A miracle. Mm, yes. <laughs> and, and we have a 21-year-old son who wow. goes to UTSA and he's studying cybersecurity. And he is the very first person in our family to go to college. Oh, wow. Praise uh -huh. the Lord. And my daughter's 16 years old and she's on the dance and drill team at her school. And 
I can't explain to you the healing that I get looking at her mm. every day, knowing that she has a loving daddy. I've, I've experienced what a dad is through watching my husband be one. Mm -hmm. And she has a daddy that loves her and adores her on this earth. It's so cool to watch and to just, she does ministry with me during COVID. I can't tell you how many meals she delivered with me in our bus. Oh. We have a ministry bus and it's exciting to see her just have a heart for um, the marginalized and for the hurting. It's a, a beautiful thing to full circle, have this family and to be able to do what I do today. And this is and, the power of God, you guys. Ladies, guys, if you're listening, I mean, this is, if, if you're stuck in a situation, this is the power of God to transform, to literally transform your life. I mean, that's what he did for me. That's what he did for Lisa. That's what he wants to do for you. The guy that brought me to the Lord was like an ex-heroin addict, literally. <laughs> My brother was in um, a, a recovery home. This was one of his many attempts at, at uh, sobriety, and he had invited me to church, and I didn't want to go, and I was hungover, and you know, I went and, and there I am, I'm singing these praise songs, right, with a bunch of drug and alcohol addicted men. And I began to feel God that day. And I remember he, he looked like Jim Caviezel, you know, from the Passion of Christ. You know, he was back <laughs> going, amen, you know. And, and so here I was, this educated college girl thinking I'm all that. And uh, I'm going to read the Bible to prove him wrong, you know. And But really, I was hurting, which is why I really looked at it. But he would always say, you know, you, you turn an eye towards God and he'll turn an eye towards you. You know, that was about as, as big as his vocabulary got, you know, and, and that relationship didn't last. But he is the one that led me to the Lord. You know, I promise you, if you turn an eye towards God, he will begin to work in your life. That's a promise that he will help you find your voice share your story and heal you from trauma and also use that story that you think is shameful is going to be the one thing the, the worst shame in your life right he's going to use to bring other people hope now only god can do that and only god would want to do that right i mean that's just that's amazing yes and the other thing too that oftentimes we will be rewounded and rewounded in these areas until god finally tears everything away and it's just us and him you know what i mean and then we just mm -hmm. learn to completely rely on him for everything mm -hmm. as he begins to tear away you know the the people that we thought we needed to lean on or the situations or the jobs or all that stuff and once it's just you know okay god you're all i've got it's you and me and then that's when he takes us on that journey, you know, when everything else is kind of stripped away. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for sharing your story. I just love how God transformed your life. How do people get in contact with you if they want to support your ministry or maybe just reach out for some help? Yeah, support. We network with um, with the community throughout, okay. you know, globally. So we definitely awesome. can send out resources as well. We work with different safe houses to get girls to safety as well. Mm -hmm. So lisamichelle.org is my page, which leads you to everything. But nsagirls.org awesome. as well is for the ministry for No Strings Attached. lisamichelle.org and it's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, right? 
Yeah. Awesome. Lisa, Michelle, thank you so much. You are an inspiration. You're going to be an inspiration to many. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your ministry. And hey, friends, I'd love to hear from you too. You can reach out to me. You can find my healing blog and all these podcasts and those sorts of things. My uh, identity course on my website, jodystevens.org. And I'd love to connect with you as well. You can reach out at uh, my email is connectwithjodystevens at yahoo.com. And thank you so much for listening.